As I said this morning, this is our last um, morning in the series of Isaiah. We'll be reading from the ninth chapter, starting in verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We all know the situation, are familiar with it, unfortunately, some personally and with our own children. This utter high and low, the greatest of joys and the lowest of sorrows. Teen love. We've all been exposed to it. Most of us personally, knowing the butterflies in our stomach as we see that significant other pass by, and maybe not even look our way. The slight wave of a hand or the raise of an eyebrow could have us analyzing the situation with our friends all afternoon long. The awkward interaction with very small chit-chat that means next to nothing but feels like everything. We go home at night thinking about the other person, looking at pictures of them, daydreaming of us running together, playing together, dancing together. Perfection. This is our soulmate. This is all we need for happiness. And the more and more we convince ourselves of this, the further and further we go down the road on this path, the more our joys and sorrows are tied to the smallest of inclinations from the other person. Does this end well for love? Rarely so, as many of us know. Teen love often ends in heartbreak, misunderstandings, and devastation. Many of us have experienced this personally, and in the midst of it, we know nothing but heartbreak. It seems like all the world around us has crumbled, and there is no hope in sight. But as parents, we know something different. We know that our children will get up, they'll go to school the next day, their hearts will mend. Maybe a week later, they'll find another person to put all their focus and attention on. And the pain and sorrows of yesterday will fall away. Parents know this reality because they've been through it. They can say with assurance of experience, you'll get better, your heart will mend, you'll meet someone else. They also probably see the faults in the other child. They can see why it won't work out from experience, from knowledge, maybe from knowing their child better than their child knows themselves. This is somewhat of a difference in perspective. See, our parents can see things down the road that we cannot because, frankly, they have been through them. They have seen how love has not been returned. 
how life went on and it wasn't as devastating as we once felt. And in that wisdom, parents learn not to be tied so much to the highs and lows, the small outcomes, the small hand gestures, the smiles, the little notes that end up meaning nothing in the end. But what of the bigger issues of life that parents face? What of divorce? What of hardship? What of loss of a loved one or loss of a job? Suddenly we see ourselves in a different situation, facing problems that we have not known before. And we do not know where to turn. As we look at the passage of Isaiah this morning, I think Isaiah might have a lot to say to those looking at young teen love. But he is not offering this advice to the teenager trying to get over the breakup of last week. No, he is speaking to a people, as Donna said, who are battling oppression, who have been driven from their land, whose homes have been laid waste and some even burned to the ground. No, he is speaking to the adult in us. But as we begin to look at this verse in Isaiah, I begin to wonder if I look at those hard comings in life, those challenges like the teenager thinking of their unrequited love. Isaiah has a trajectory, an ability to see beyond his present situation. As Donna said, even over 700 years down the road. And he is not hoping on something that he does not think will come or wishing for a long shot, a Hail Mary that may come in. No, Isaiah is responding to something he trusts in much greater. So let us turn to Isaiah to realize what the prophet has to offer us this morning. For his wisdom and understanding offer us much. First of all, there is a surety in what Isaiah offers us. He begins in response to what the people have done. Chapter 8 ends with a long account of how the people have turned their backs on God, turned to other things, and been unfaithful to Him. And how does, does Isaiah respond to the people's unfaithfulness? Well, nevertheless, he says, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Think of the shortcomings the excuses, the things we have not done, the church days we have missed, the morning prayer times we have not done, the ways we are mean and unloving to people, the way we turned our back on God. How does Isaiah respond? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. You see, for Isaiah, this reality of deliverance, of hope in the future, does not depend on our faithfulness. It depends instead on God. Look at what he highlights in the passage. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Isaiah's hope is not in some distant, unknown thing. Isaiah's hope is in our God. 
the same God that we worship, the same God that encounters us in the midst of trials and struggles and hardships. And look at how Isaiah speaks of these things. He speaks of them, these future things, in a present reality. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned. You have enlarged and increased their joy. They rejoice in you. You have shattered the yoke. It is as if Isaiah is looking over 700 years down the road and proclaiming what has already happened. How can this be? How can someone have so much confidence about something so far down the road that is unseen? And as Donna highlighted this morning, it is not unseen for Isaiah. Well, how does this come about? Well, when studying Isaiah, we see a man who is devoted to his God. He is devoted in scripture study, in prayer, in community. He has been through a training ground to develop this ability to know his God, to hear God, to see him work and be faithful. And over time, he is faithful. In the same way, we can say to our children, it will get better. I know this from experience. You'll get over this love and this heartthrob and someone will come along who's better for you. We know this from experience. Isaiah has this same experience that we have for our kids. He has this experience from spending time with God, from being with him. And what of these things that he speaks of? You have enlarged the nation and increased your joy. You have shattered the yoke. Well, further in the passage in verse 6, we discover what the focus of Isaiah's promises are. It is God himself. For to us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, over 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah turned to his people in the midst of destruction and desolation. With their villages burned to the ground, he said to them, There will be no more gloom for those in distress, because he knew God was coming. The passage highlights the Galilee, a region where Jesus would spend over 70% of his teaching. And who comes from the Galilee? Well, many people, including at least three of Jesus' disciples, Philip, Andrew, and Peter. Isaiah's hope is not in our own efforts or our own abilities. And he has no misconceptions of those. He actually outlines them specifically in chapter 8. Isaiah's hope and confidence is in our, the Lord our God. As we embark on this new journey to articulate with our greater family the mission that God has called us to. I will warn you some of the things that will be shared in this mission that we believe God has called us to will seem far down the road. Will seem like lofty ideals when we are confronted in the midst of our daily struggles and hardships. But I assure you, our God is faithful. 
I invite you to join us on this journey of living into this new mission, of discovering what it means to follow God on a long-term vision for where we are headed together. For we are not alone. We are with one another, and God is always before us. But it will stretch us. It will likely ask us to grow in ways that we are not aware we can. But as with teenage love, I assure you, things will get better. This will turn out all right. I invite you to begin in preparation and prayer, through scripture, through prayer, through community, to prepare yourselves to embark on this journey to which God has called us together. Amen.